theme is by Midnight Syndicate. For more dark instrumental music like it, visit www.midnightsyndicate.com or find them on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, or Alexa. True crime stories are discussed in this podcast, which may contain graphic and disturbing content. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Freshly Brewed Noir. I'm Summer. And I'm Jennifer. And this is episode 40, The Westall UFO Incident. Aren't you excited? We're covering aliens. I am very excited. I've worn my shirt for the occasion. I noticed that when you came over. I was like, I appreciate this. The alien shirt. So much. Yes. It took me a minute to find it. Even wear your Nikes (laughs) from like the Heaven's Gate episode. (laughs) We'll throw it back. No, these are my Adidas. Oh. But they do look like Nikes. They do. Well, I stand corrected. (laughs) So, yeah, I'm excited. I was like, can we insert some, like, alien music in here? Post-editing. If it's uh, royalty-free, we can. We'll find out. We should ask Midnight Syndicate if they have anything for us. Any spooky alien-type music. That would be nice. Yeah. So, um, I know you're a huge skeptic, but I think this story is really interesting because it involves a lot of different people. Okay. Hundreds of witnesses. Hundreds. Hundreds, yeah. Are they all from the backwoods of Virginia? No, they're from Australia. <laughs> oh, even better. <laughs> I mean, if it exists, yeah. I, I believe in Australia. <laughs> I have a friend from Australia, so I do believe that it exists, yes. Okay. Are you ready to like hear about all these details? Go. Okay. So on April 6, 1966, in Melbourne, Australia, the teachers and students of Westall High School experienced what they believed to be a paranormal encounter. This is also known to be one of the biggest UFO sightings to date in Australia. So I did watch um, a documentary about this. It's called Westall 66, a suburban UFO mystery. So this is where like majority of the information is coming from. Okay. At about 10.15 that morning, two groups of students were partaking in their PE classes on the school's field where they were playing cricket, hockey, and football. It already sounds fake to me. <laughs> like, do they really do sports? <laughs> already skeptical. <laughs> Are sports real? All these sports, cricket, at school? At least they're doing hobbies. Okay. Some students were inside engaging in their studies when one of the teachers, Miss Jeanette Muir, was alerted by one of the shouts from her students that they saw a huge object in the sky. It was described to be a round, silver, metallic disc in the sky that was hovering low over the school. It was about the size of one or two cars and shaped like an upside-down bowl. There were no windows, no visible engines, no propellers, no wings or fins, no flashing navigational lights, no markings, letters, or numbers, and there was no sound coming from it. It would later be described by many as a flying saucer. There also seemed to be one or two others in the sky further away. The kids were screaming and hysterical, and some were thinking it was like the end of times. <laughs> they attempted to run out of the classroom, even though the teachers tried to stop them, but the school bell rang to dismiss them. Students and teachers all ran out of the school, and one of the chemistry teachers grabbed her camera and started taking pictures of what they were seeing. During a recent interview, Claude Miller, the teacher that was on yard duty at the time, recounted about the moment that he lit himself a cigarette while he was outside when a science teacher Andrew Greenwood 
ran up to him frantically asking if he saw what was in the sky. He says that the craft was hovering up and down about 50 feet in the air, and then after a while it took off moving at incredible speed. So it flew off to an area called the Grange Reserve, which was a pine plantation about 400 meters behind the school. It was a place where the students would do cross-country and play childhood games, hunt for lizards, or maybe go to smoke. And at this point, the kids jumped over a perimeter fence that was in their way and followed the craft where it appeared to land. Question, were they smoking before, this, before they saw these flying saucers? <laughs> well, before, I don't know. Maybe like the kids that were in PE, maybe they could have been. But I think the one that spotted it was actually inside the school. So okay. they were in class when they saw it. Legit question. I can appreciate that. There's a designated smoking spot, you know, I'm wondering. It's definitely possible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I mean. Were these kids high? <laughs> were the teachers high? I don't think the teachers were high. You never know. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, unless all these teachers are at the school and they're all like just toking it up. Most likely not, you're Mo- saying. Yes, most okay. likely we're teaching. <laughs> <laughs> it was noted that the craft had landed at this point because the grass was flattened and seemed to be burned or discolored in a huge circular area. The group of students watched as it rose up and disappeared into thin air. And something to keep in mind is that the Morbin Airport, one of Australia's busiest airports, was four kilometers away, which is like 2.4 miles. And five airplanes had appeared, which seemed to be trying to like fly closer to the saucer. The airplanes were not successful, though, in their pursuit as the saucer was able to evade them. So about 200 students witnessed this incident. What year was this? 1966. Okay. Yeah. So there was, you know, some testing Mm-hmm. going on. I was thinking, I was like, is this around the same time Dyatlov was happening? Was it? When was Dyatlov? It was in the 1950s. Okay. So late 1950s. Mm. Could have been. So this is one of the supposed photographs. I don't know how this photograph was leaked or obtained because later we'll find out the camera was confiscated. I don't know if it even came from that camera. It might have been someone else who saw it. Yeah, I mean, I'm no expert, but that looks like a flying saucer. <laughs> <laughs> We've seen X-Files. You know? At, we're experts as far as that goes. So yeah, I would say that looks like a flying saucer in the photo. But I don't know how to debunk those old photos. I'm yeah. sure other people have been able to do that. Right. Like, I don't know if this is a legit photo. I can't yeah. really tell. It um, could be some Pixar witchcraft right there. They just put one of the stickers in. Well... <laughs> And do a, a filter over. It, I mean, it could have been. Like a vintage filter. But this is what's kind of posted on the internet as one of the photos from that time. But I do have questions about it, so I can't say. It's, it's like gi- it's giving me nope vibes, for sure. Nope. <laughs> like the movie? The movie, nope. Okay. Well, I haven't seen that. Also, so. just nope. Yeah. I'm nope. <laughs> like, not legit. Nope, not legit. <laughs> so, oh, okay. Tell me more. Also, so this is like... Since there's no photographs of the circle that they talk about, the imprint Mm -hmm. in the grass, they have just basically drawn what witnesses have stated to them, like what it looked like. So it's like a perfect circle. Are there UFO sketch artists? I believe. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure there's a whole organization (laughs) just dedicated to that. Let's get Bob, the UFO sketch artist out here. I would believe it. (laughs) I was surprised at how, like, big this got. Yeah. So... 
it's a perfect circle, and you can see that the grass is flattened. Um, it says that the grass around the circle was twisted clockwise. So, like, it spins when it takes off or lands or something, right? Maybe so. Okay. And then there were three circles in the circle. Like circle imprints in the ground. Right. All right, so Jacqueline Argent and Tanya... I don't have a last name for Tanya, and we'll kind of get into what's she's happening. A, she's a fake person. All right. <laughs> They're like, Tanya, who we can't tell you her last name because <laughs> she's in the UFO protection program. I mean, <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> so apparently they were running towards the crash site or the okay. landing site. And Tanya was ahead of Jacqueline. And they were running. Jacqueline eventually loses sight of Tanya because she passes out. They eventually reunited. And she believes that Tanya encountered the craft while it was on the ground. But once they returned to the school, she became panicked and then was rushed to the hospital. Jacqueline? Tanya. Tanya. So Jacqueline says that that was the last time she heard from her. And then she never came back to school after that. So was Tanya a student or teacher? She was a student. And Jacqueline was a student too. Mm -hmm. So they were younger at this time. Yep. Okay. So that makes sense. She didn't know her last name because a lot of kids don't know their friends' last names. That's true. And I don't even know if they were really friends. It could Maybe because, just like, like acquaintances. Yeah, like just students who are running after this So she site. never saw Tanya again. Right. Hmm. That's a little strange, right? She could have moved. She could have, yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Moved to outer space! <laughs> <laughs> well, so Tanya, she wasn't the only person to see the craft while it was on the ground. Victor Sagrunzi. Sagrunzi? Sagrunzi? Sagrunzi. His name sound made up. <laughs> well, they're Australian. <laughs> Tanya Balderdash. <laughs> so he was another student who did, and he said that there were two discs that landed there, which stood about five meters apart. So he's like close up and personal with these discs, okay? But only one made an imprint? Um, I guess these maybe didn't leave an imprint. I don't see. I'm already like, hmm. <laughs> hmm. Well, this was, I, I'm assuming this might be like. Oh, <laughs> maybe not in the same circle. as That's what they said. They said saucers. that there were, there was one main one, but then they did mention that there were like two other, two or three other ones so that were Victor, like in the distance. So Victor's in the other area with the other flying saucers. I'm thinking so. Okay. So Victor approached the craft and he said that he could feel heat emitting from it. These are some brave kids. I don't know that I would approach a UFO on the ground. I just don't some, think I would. Some kids are fearless, you know? They're just like, let me get in there. <laughs> <laughs> With a last name like Zakrunzi, you're fearless. A daredevil. So after a minute or so, the two machines lifted up about three to four feet high. They hovered there for a few seconds and then gradually lifted up into the pine trees. And then I have a picture of like what he drew. He drew. Yeah. It looks more like a nipple, but okay. That's what I was thinking, too. <laughs> you thought that, too? <laughs> yes. Like, he's just, you know, it's drawing like naked puberty. ladies, Victor. <laughs> and he's like, oh, sure, it's a flying saucer, whatever. I mean, it could be. <laughs> After this, the students were called into an assembly and were directed to not talk about what happened. Who told them not to talk about it? The headmaster of the school. Mm, interesting. His name is, like, Bam... Bam... I couldn't even, like pronounce his another, name so i didn't even like name. put huh. it in there <laughs> you were like i can't pronounce this so we'll call him balderdash <laughs> or bamboozled 
Principal bamboozled. So yeah, he dismissed what the students were saying and told them it was just a weather balloon. What did he think it was? Or do they talk about that? He just said it was a weather balloon. It was nothing. I think that's what he believes. Do weather balloons look like that in Australia? I don't like think nipples? so. Like nipples? I don't think so. <laughs> I can't like attest to all of the different kinds, but... Of nipples or weather balloons? Or both. Both. <laughs> <laughs> both. I'm sure there's a small chance that that is possible, but I'm thinking no. So he's like, kids, it's fine. It's just a weather balloon. Go back to your studies and cricket. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So several students recalled that there were people in dark suits constantly surrounding the headmaster, and they would question the students about what they saw and make sure, like, things were kept quiet. Dark suits. You know who that is. Men in Black? That is. Are we talking about the Men in Black? Yeah. Oh. They're in Australia, too? I guess they're all over. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) One of the school captains, Graham Simmons, was prepped to tell the students that what they saw did not exist and was directed to not leave the school and to walk up and down the hallways to make sure that the students were in their classrooms. While following this direction, he made it to like the west end of the school, and he noticed that the teacher that was taking pictures with her camera was involved in what looked to be a confrontation between the headmaster and a man in what they assumed was a police uniform. She was directed to hand over not just the film, but the entire camera to them. Journalists, police, and fire brigades were outside the school, and teachers were directed to keep the journalists away. Even though the students were told not to speak to the media, some did undergo interviews with them. A former student said that as she was taking part in an interview with Channel 9, a police officer ordered her to stop and go back inside the school. News articles came out about it that made it obvious that there was, like, some secrecy going on with this story. So as you can see, here's one of the articles. What is this called? The what journal? The Dandenong Journal. (laughs) Dandenong (laughs) Journal. Does that exist? Yes. Hold on. Let me look this up. (laughs) Let me just check. Hold on. Dandenong Journal. Okay. Dandenong is a city in Australia. It says Dandenong Star Journal. Huh. Is that Dandenong Star Journal? Or did maybe they changed it? The Dandenong Journal. Yeah, because this was back in the 60s, so... Okay. Maybe they changed it. Could have added the star in there. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> Let's see what the journal has to say about it. There's one article. It says, Flying Saucer Mystery, School Silent. What was it? Hmm. We don't know. And they, that's all they said about it. Well... <laughs> Just, what was it? What was the article? <laughs> what was it? We don't know. I don't have the full article in front of me. <laughs> it was... I think it was in the papers for... Like, about two weeks. I'm like sure. Just trying to figure out, like, what this thing was. That's a great news story anywhere in the world. Yeah. I would love to, like, hear about a UFO sighting here. In Georgia. Yeah. What if we saw it? Would you go up to it? Heck yeah. You would walk up <laughs> to a U- Like, seriously, you would walk up to a UFO. We're, yeah, I mean. We're in your backyard with Dolce. And a flying saucer lands right next to the house in, like, that little wooded area. You would just walk up to it. Yeah. Dolce's freaking out. I'm freaking out. And you're just like, yeah, I'll go check it out. Well, we got to remember UFOs don't mean that it's an extraterrestrial. It's just an unidentified object. So I would like investigate it to see what. They're from Australia? Oh, yes. Or anywhere. (laughs) From outer space, hopefully. So you would go up to it. But then what if you get abducted? I don't know what to do. Just hope I come back. Oh, my God. (laughs) How do I explain that to your mom? <laughs> Can you? 
imagine? She's like, where's Jennifer? I'm like, oh, I don't know. I guess the rosary didn't work. Sorry. Well, it wasn't enough protection. A UFO took her up. <laughs> Were you worried about the ghosts? You need to be worried about the UFOs. At least you'll have it on, like, video. Oh, on the ring. Yes. No, but see, they'd probably be just out of sight. So all we'd see is, like, a big flash of light. That's all you need. <laughs> Imagine me trying to explain that to the police. <laughs> a UFO came down, <laughs> took my best friend. Me and the dog were just sitting there, just you have to out. take Dolce, obviously. Obviously. We're friends. She likes me. <laughs> she loves you. So, Gosh. yeah, I'm, I'm trusting you with that. If I ever get abducted by aliens, whatever the case may be, I'm trusting you with Dolce. I don't think I would let you near it. I'd be like, no. <laughs> no. Or we'd both have to go approach it. So we're like, go together. <laughs> oh, abducted together? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's never going to be an option. So if I ever see a UFO, I'll let you know. Same. Then you'll know it's real. Well, that's true, because you are the skeptic yeah. of the two of us. Yeah. So let's talk about more of this. Okay. <laughs> 24 of the witnesses have recounted memories of police and or military personnel coming to the site at the Grange. Some recall police, army, and fire vehicles arriving within 20 minutes of the incident, which seems kind of quick, doesn't it? Do you just have military people, like, is on it a call? Rule, is it a rural area? Yeah. If it's a rural town, there's probably not a lot of... Crime. Or... Crime, UFO stuff, you know, so they probably were ready to go. Waiting on this call? Waiting on the UFO call. Okay. Aren't we all? I mean, I am. <laughs> of course you are. <laughs> Another witness, Paul Smith, who was a market gardener, saw the craft in the sky, but thought it was just a projection at first. And so this is someone who's not even somewhat at the school. This is just someone, you know, on the other side of town and sees it. Like on a hill somewhere? He's just doing his gardening. Oh, I can respect that. <laughs> so he sees it and he's like, what is that? So not in the same area. Another sighting. The witness, yeah, was not in the same area. Okay. And not a child, obviously, an adult. He was, yep. Okay. Not smoking? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> he recalled seeing about 20 soldiers in khaki uniforms arriving in two Jeeps and two camouflage long bed trucks surrounding the circular imprint. An apprentice mechanic and his younger sister remember taking cover behind pine trees as they watched four officers examine the circle with special equipment. An electrical engineer attending Monash University, Kevin Hurley, rode down to meet his uncle at the Grange to see the circle. The next day when he returned with his friends from university, it was sealed off with barricades and guarded by soldiers on duty. It was guarded, too. Hmm. Yeah. Isn't that weird? That is, that is strange. Yeah. When the military gets involved like that, that is interesting. Exactly. That's Makes me wonder if it's related to the military, though. It could be. Questions. Awesome. Questions. Yes. He could see the soldiers were holding radiation and metal detectors. A week later, the soldiers, barricade, and the circle were gone. The whole area was burnt, leaving no trace of the imprint. A freelance news reporter was alerted about the incident and raced over, only to find his path blocked by Commonwealth police officers and cars. So they were not letting civilians see this site, which is a little strange. That is strange. Makes me, it, it gives me the military vibes. Like it has something to do with the military, maybe. Conspiracies. Could be. I'll give you that. Maybe it was their flying object. Now, local residents called the district newspaper 
the Dandenong Journal. The story aired on Melbourne TV News that night, which showed the interview with the student and the officer interrupting it. They were able to interview Mr. Greenwood and a former student, Marilyn Eastwood. They were both reprimanded by the headmaster for speaking with the media. The story would make front page news for two weeks straight. The photographer on site for the article took pictures of the circle in the paddock. However, they were not published along with it. Strange. Hmm, interesting. The media outlets searched their archives and were unable to locate the news interview with all the witness accounts. Strange again. That is strange. Like somebody came and scrubbed it. Yeah. Oh, we just got confirmation from Jennifer's ghost. <laughs> That's what happened. <laughs> And supposedly UFO sightings were common around that time, but an incident in broad daylight with so many witnesses was almost unheard of. I would agree with that. You don't hear about many daytime sightings, right? Mostly they're at night. Yeah. And with so many people seeing it. So obviously there must have been something. There was something. I don't think that's disputed. Right. Flying in the air. Right. It's just, what was it? Because it was students, teachers, and then some gardener somewhere also an electrical engineer somewhere, like various people. Right, exactly. That had no relation to each other. Yeah. Okay. So it's not like they had. And then Tanya, who we don't know what happened to Tanya. We'll get into what happened to Tanya. Oh, you. Oh, I need to know what happens to Tanya. Okay, we'll talk about it. Lieutenant Colonel Neil Smith, he was in the documentary, and he is a military historian. He states that the Australian military did not wear camouflage gear but the description matched what was worn by the U.S. Air Force in the mid-1960s. Of course we're involved somehow. Aren't we always? Always. When it comes to UFOs, I feel like the (laughs) U.S. is always involved. Right. We're like, whoops, they shouldn't have gotten this far. (laughs) We'll be right there. (laughs) Let's go cover this up real quick. Excuse us, Australia. It was nothing. (laughs) That's what they'd like us to believe. (laughs) Of course we're involved. Oh, my gosh. Of course. So... I mean, it's likely because the American military and personnel were in Australia at the time as part of the Vietnam War effort. UFO investigators did come out and try to speak to the witnesses. However, at this point, no one was willing to give any interviews. Because they'd all been threatened. Yep. They also went to the airport to find the five pilots who were apparently chasing the craft, right? Right. So you would think that there would be someone you can talk to. (laughs) Some, Some record of that. But no, they couldn't find them either? No. Of course not. Because obviously the five airplanes, they were in such close contact with that craft. There should have been some kind of record of that. But there was not. The air controllers in the tower would have had complete sight of the aircrafts during this time. But I guess they deduced that whatever was seen, they did not want that to be public. So no record was made. This has the USA UFO like written all over it. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> Australia is just trying to play cricket and go about their lives and... We come in with our UFOs and just mess stuff up. (laughs) That's what we do. (laughs) So there were talks that the U.S. government wanted to nip the questions of the UFOs in the bud. So they set up a committee to investigate them. But a memo was leaked that stated that the investigation was a farce and it was not real. It was just for show. Yeah. So another committee for show. Oh, that's not the U.S. (laughs) Doesn't sound like us at all. (laughs) Just another day. (laughs) You're right. A little bit. drama and conspiracies. A little bit. Government stuff. Okay, so around the same time of the Westall incident, a witness took a photo from his backyard in Melbourne that matched the same description as the UFO in Westall. 
they did take a photo of that. It doesn't look to me like it was like a circular metallic object. Maybe we can pull it up. So that's the photo. I can't tell what that is. No, that's weird looking. I was like, Almost is that a, a hot air balloon? It looks like a comma, like in the sky. Like there's a little tail on it. Sharknado. <laughs> oh, no. Sharknado. <laughs> is that a shark in the sky? Oh, you know how they have those weird creatures in Australia. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can't tell what that is. It doesn't look circular. It looks like half of a circle almost, huh? Like a split right there. And then there's something. I, I can't tell what it is. Yeah. So it's hard to say. But anyway, that came out a few days. That's a little before. more believable, I'll say, than the other one. Honestly, because that's probably more like what you'd get than this guy right here. Yeah. That has like a perfect flying saucer photo. Yeah. This is probably the type of photo you'd get. Is something weird looking that you can't really describe. Unidentified flying object. That's more like it. Yeah. So that is something similar that was happening around that time. So two days before Westall, Ron Sullivan was driving in central Victoria when he noticed a light in front of him. He noticed it was a flying object with a light beam shining down below that he had never seen before. As he was watching it, I think he was like in awe of what that was because he had never seen anything like that. And so... When he was staring at it, he almost swerved and almost wrecked his car and crashed into a tree. So he did not report this sighting until he saw in the newspaper that a man had died when he crashed his car into that same tree that he almost hit. So he's thinking, oh. I wonder if he saw the same thing I saw and maybe that's why he crashed. That's scary. Yeah. A few days later, a couple of government workers, one from the Air Force, came to visit him regarding the incident. They wanted to inspect his car, and he obliged and asked them to let him know what they found out. And they said they would, but they never reached out, and he never found out, like, what they were looking for regarding his car. Radiation from UFOs? Maybe. I don't know what they'd be looking for. Maybe a magnetic pull or something from <laughs> you, the object? UFO droppings? <laughs> what would they be looking for? Yeah. But I guess, you know, after that incident, you can't help but, like, have questions about why they even came to inspect something. Mm -hmm. And you never hear back. And you're just like, okay. What was that about? <laughs> right? Yeah. Bill Chalker, UFO researcher, was particularly intrigued by the Westall incident and he has been successful in obtaining records for, like, different investigations on multiple incidents around the world. So he did the same, and he requested the records from this incident. However, there were no files found. Even though there were hundreds of witnesses, media attention, and an active military investigation involved in the case. U.S. government. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, yes. There was absolutely no record of this incident being documented in the Air Force, the Department of Defenses, files from the Air Board, the Department of Civil Aviation, or any intelligence files. Hmm. All those investigators and military and not the shred of paper trail. Not right. even a little bit. Even from the media. It's just crazy how there's no paper evidence about this. The surviving witnesses would like the police or military to acknowledge that they were at the scene of the incident and validate their experience. Because I think they even act like they were never there, even though witnesses state that that's what happened. Yeah, that's got to make them upset because they just want them to admit it happened. It makes them sound like they're crazy. <laughs> and I'm sure that's what they want. Right. In an interview recorded by James McDonald, Andrew Greenwood the science teacher at the scene confirms that the Air Force was indeed present. 
And then the military historian Neil Smith states that the R&D department would absolutely destroy evidence to fit their narrative. Jacqueline Argent, the girl who was with Tanya, Mm -hmm. she spoke about her experience after everyone was led back into the school. She was taken to the headmaster's office where men in suits were waiting for her. They wanted her to recount what she had seen. And when she did, they said something to her like along the lines of, oh, you think you saw Flying Saucer and Little Green Men? And even though she said what she saw in the sky was just like a strange object, they were trying to like trivialize what she was saying. What How you... old was she? She was in high school, so teenager. And after that, she left the room feeling very angry about that experience. Andrew Greenwood, the science teacher, said that two government officials came to his home and threatened him under the Official Secrets Act, which is legislation that provides for the protection of the state secrets and official information mainly related to national security, but can also include all information held by government bodies. They said that it was impossible that he saw a flying saucer because they don't exist, and they threatened to tell people that he was an alcoholic, which would risk his livelihood as a teacher, and then he decided he wasn't going to take that risk to speak out. Now, James McDonald, who interviewed Mr. Greenwood, he was an American physicist who was best known for his research regarding UFOs, and was a senior physicist at the Institute for Atmospheric Physics and a professor of meteorology at the University of Arizona in Tucson. He interviewed Mr. Greenwood and then would be a public figure who was outspoken regarding the existence of UFOs. He campaigned in support of expanding UFO studies during the mid to late 1960s, stating that the UFOs were an important unsolved mystery in the world. His stance was that it was plausible, but not proved. He testified before Congress during the UFO hearings of 1968, but after many years would sadly become isolated personally and professionally. McDonald defended his work, but was publicly humiliated by Congressman Silvio Oconte, or Silvio Ocant, who bluntly said, quote, anyone who believed in little green men was not credible. In March of 1971, McDonald's wife told him she wanted a divorce And in April of 1971, he attempted suicide by shooting himself in the head. He survived, but was left blinded and recovering in the hospital. But the next day he went missing. And on June 13th, 1971, a family walking along a creek close to the bridge spanning on the Canada del Oro wash found a body that was later identified as McDonald. A 38 caliber revolver was found near him along with a suicide note. His peers remember him as, quote, a man of great integrity and courage. He was loved and admired by many people. He made a lasting impression on many facets of the atmospheric sciences and will be missed much more than we realize. That's really sad. It is, yeah. He was publicly humiliated, and so I think it's really sad that he was just trying to advocate for, you know, yes, we need to research these things because it's, it's possible. And nobody took him seriously after that. Regarding what happened to Tanya, the girl who disappeared, none of the students or teachers have been in contact with her. However, there is a Facebook group regarding this incident, and someone who says they spoke to her says that, you know, she and her family moved away from Melbourne, and they're doing fine. And it sounds like someone immediately moved into that house, and then when I guess people came over to interview her, when they inquired about, like, where she was, they said that she never lived there. 
one of the researchers who worked on the case made contact with her and she said she preferred not to be involved with anything related to the investigation. She says she does not recall what happened and does not remember being in the hospital. However, there are many questions regarding like why they moved. And then even what do the doctors and hospital staff have to say about what happened when she went to the hospital? Like none of that's answered. Because why would they? They haven't answered anything else. (laughs) Yes. So the Australian Security Intelligence Organization, they were involved in having her moved and having someone new live in that house so quickly. That makes me think that it has something to do with the government, not extraterrestrials. And then, like, it sounds like maybe she was threatened to not say anything. Probably. Because yeah, if she won't talk. And who knows where she is now? <laughs> like, Listen, we need to tell the government right now, if some aliens try to abduct us, we are talking. Oh, if we have that on record, they might, like, exterminate us. Right now. <laughs> this is the last episode of Freshly Brew Noir that anyone will ever hear. <laughs> Summer and Jennifer disappeared. What, what they moved like? to Montana. <laughs> We're never heard from again. They refuse all interviews. <laughs> yeah. Like, we don't even know their last names. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be the Tanyas. <laughs> Tanya one and two. No, so, I'm going to be Dana in our UFO protection program. Okay. Weren't you Veronica? I think so. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> and no last names. No. No. Now, look, if UFO tries to abduct me, I am talking to everyone. Oh, for sure. Don't make they me look think crazy. I'm, look, they can think I'm crazy. <laughs> I don't care. I will talk. If a UFO comes down and tries to abduct me, since I don't believe, I feel like I would be a credible <laughs> witness. Unless you were, like, corrupted by me. And then oh, they would true. be like, well, she had a podcast with her Jennifer. best friend. They're who... just trying to promote their podcast. <laughs> That's what it is. For clout. That's what's going to happen, too. Dang they're going to spin it. And the, the government's going to spin it in the media and be like, well, they're just trying to promote their podcast. That's all it is. How funny would that be if that like that actually awesome. happened? <laughs> well, let's hope not. We have it on record. <laughs> what we could do is we could come forward as Dana and Veronica. No last names. They don't know who we are. We'll wear our wigs. Okay. And, and we'll just come forward, tell our story and just put it out there. Wouldn't they think we're just having like a, a crisis, like an identity crisis? <laughs> it's like they just wanted to start over and change no. their names. We'll have to get that lady. Who's the lady on, you see her, I know you've seen her on Instagram, where she can make her face into any celebrity? I don't know. I think I've sent you something before on her. She's done like Leonardo DiCaprio. She's done like Listen, all... You know how many reels we send each other? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so we just have to go to her and have her disguise our faces and then give our account How would that make us credible, though? You're right. (laughs) You're right. It's never going to work. They're going to make us sound crazy. Yeah. Either way. (laughs) Either way. Yeah. Whether it's Summer and Jennifer or Dana and Veronica. Exactly. Somehow it's twisted to they wanted to promote the podcast or they're crazy. Yeah. But we just want you to know we will never promote our podcast with fake UFO sightings. That's right. No. Or ghost sightings. Only legit stuff here. Yeah. Besides our TikTok where we saw a coffee ghost. We did. That was real. (laughs) You need to check that out. (laughs) Interestingly enough, on August 6, 2014, the Herald Sun released an article debunking the UFO sighting. So neither federal or state government agencies commented on the incident, but it has been revealed that it could have been a high-altitude balloon used to monitor radiation levels after the Marlinga nuclear tests. 
the highball program was a U.S.-Australian initiative to monitor atmospheric radiation levels using large silver balloons equipped with sensors between 1960 and 1969. According to documents held by the National Archives and former Department of Supply, it indicates one test balloon launched from Maldura may have blown off the course and come down near Westall High. But just one. Just one, yeah. And they spotted several, right? A few. I wouldn't say several, but a few. Okay. After hovering over the area, supposedly it landed in the Grange before taking off again. A researcher named Keith Basterfield spent years investigating the incident and determined that the highball balloon was likely the answer. The paperwork regarding the highball test flight scheduled before Westall seemed to have been lost or destroyed. So there's not even any records of this happening. (laughs) Well, was that because of the radiation? They didn't want them to know that they were testing for radiation? And maybe there was high levels of radiation and they're like, now we got to hide that because then they're going to find out that there were high levels of radiation. But you would think that they would still at least have something. Are those actual pictures of the tests? These are the balloons, the highball balloons. Yeah. I can see how that would look like a UFO for sure. Well, I can kind of see that. I mean, this one actually has eyes and looks like an alien. (laughs) It kind of does. You're right. (laughs) With that long face. (laughs) However, if this was the case, wouldn't there be some type of record at least regarding liability for like possible damage or security violations? Because a stray balloon, if something that big fell, wouldn't it leave a mark? Wouldn't it cause some kind of damage? you would think that they'd have to back themselves up if it fell on private property. But didn't they? Didn't the military rush in and block it off and then clean it up and burn everything? But there would have to be some kind of record of that, right? Like they came and they did whatever they were supposed to do. Absolutely not. Military, they get rid of records. Well, as someone in the military has attested to, I would definitely believe that. So how do you dispute the way that it was flying, though? Because according to witnesses' statements, it sounds like it's hovering and then it just flies off somewhere. Gust of wind caught it, maybe? It doesn't explain multiple sightings, though, because if they said there's just, like, one radiation balloon in the area... Yeah, they're saying it's just one. So that wouldn't explain how somebody else saw a couple other flying saucers. And the ones that landed, too, because it just looks like a bunch of saran wrap doesn't it? Yeah. And it doesn't look like if it landed, a stray balloon landed in a perfect circle. It, it just doesn't sound believable to me. <laughs> like, Did you ever play with the parachutes when you were a kid and everyone would grab a corner and you would lift it up and everybody would run under and you would hold it down and it made a perfect circle? Yeah, but that's because you have people holding it, right? But if that balloon has like the weights around it on the bottom, it could potentially fall in a nice round circle. I could see that. I don't know if it would leave the same marks, though, because was it heavy? I, I mean, know. it's a pretty big balloon. I think it would leave some kind of marking. I just don't know if it would land. The odds of it landing in a perfect circle, to me, aren't likely, just because you don't know how the wind is going to blow. That's just my thought process. And the physics of it, like, that doesn't sound like how a balloon moves. But of course, I didn't see it. I can't speak to that. And then... Uh, more concerning is the fact that They say there was only one weather balloon or radiation balloon around and people saw multiple quote unquote UFOs. That would have me wondering. I agree. Yeah. Like that doesn't add up. Mm -mm. Like we talked about Mr. Sakrunzi. He said he saw two and it was like right in front of him. And then like they were floating and then they flew off. So I just think that the balloon theory, it doesn't 
change my mind about it. It doesn't change your mind. I think it's a good one. It, to me, that's more believable, except that if there's not multiple radiation balloons around, then I'm still confused. What were the other things? So we <laughs> have radiation balloons and UFOs. Like, what's going on in Australia in this little community? And the fact that I was watching a recent interview, and it sounds like the students who are still living, they remember it like it was yesterday, and they still like attest to the same facts, the same things that they saw. The weirdest thing about it, I get being skeptical because obviously there's no proof and you have to think about it objectively, but why would there be absolutely no record from any of the hospitals, any of the airports, any of the military bases? Yeah, it's like they scrubbed all the information from... From the media outlets. Right. Every single entity or agency that was involved has nothing. How is that possible? That's strange, yeah. I've told you that the only UFO story that I've heard that I actually believe is from my, one of my brothers. Was that the one where he was in he the was, hammock? He was sleeping outside because he would sleep outside in the summertime. And he saw three lights, which you said in the imprint, there were three marks. Yeah. So, and they were like equal distance mm -hmm. in like a triangle form. That's what he said. Yeah, they would have been distance like a triangle. Those three lights. He said it, it was hovering over him and it came down a little bit and then it shot off. I believed him just because he was one of those in his teenage years that was not afraid of anything. And so when I came home from work, I remember he would always be outside sleeping on one of the lounge chairs at night. He just loved being outside in the summertime. And when I came home this one night, he was on the couch and I said, what are you doing on the couch? And he's like, I think I saw a UFO. He's not the type to ever show fear. And it, there was this look on his face that was a little off. And I just thought... If I were to believe that somebody saw a UFO, I could believe that. I mean, if you feel like that's someone who would not lie about that, then... Well, I mean, I don't think he's not credible in that way. <laughs> <laughs> but as far as just knowing him as, like, a teenager, the way he acted, he was never afraid of anything. And for something to make him, like, come inside and not be exposed to the outdoors, he was very much an outdoorsman. So it spooked him. It spooked him. And so for me, it's like... Well, that could be something to sway me that he responded in that way. So that is like the most that's the mo believable for that's you. That's the most believable thing, just because like I know that person and I just actually saw his face and I remember like actually he looked not fearful, but like, like you said, spooked or something. It just didn't look like him. Yeah. You know? I'm sure if it's something that you're not familiar with and it just shows up in front of you yeah <laughs> like, what right is that? and that was the only time like he ever did that and it wasn't like this was when we were younger so i didn't have a podcast there was no reason for him to act like that to me or to try and sway me to believe in ufos i don't even know that he believed in ufos he just had that experience and was and just told you about it freaked out about it yeah and he was just not the type to be freaked out by stuff well, I mean, I guess I can see that. I wish I had an experience that I could relate to, but I don't. It's not like I don't believe people. Some people's stories are so outlandish. Uh, of course. <laughs> like, of oh, course. on. Yeah. But like that to me, it was, he wasn't like I was taken up in a UFO and they did these experiments. It was just like I saw these three lights. It was hovering over me, like up in the sky, and then it started to come down and then it shot off. And he said, I've never seen anything like that before. Yeah. It's not overdramatic. It wasn't overdramatic. Right. And it was just, it caused him to change his routine, which to me, 
Like this guy didn't change his routine for anybody. He was just a hard headed teenager who had no fear and like that put some fear in him. So I get that. So what do you think about this story? Uh, you told me okay. it, it's not West Virginia. No, for all. <laughs> so don't take me to West Virginia in the backwoods. <laughs> there were some woods. But... <laughs> but this one of all the stories you've told me, this would be more believable to me because there's multiple people, different age groups, also different areas that saw something, people in the media. There was government officials there. It does sound more believable than any of the other ones you've told me, for sure. Yeah. I would have to say, yeah, after researching this one, it does sound like the most believable UFO sighting to me. Right. You know I'm a believer, but I can also be objective. <laughs> <laughs> As I'm hopeful. I'm a hopeful believer. Yeah. Yeah, this was a good one. You did. You brought a good one. I'm very proud of you. So I was like, don't bring me. <laughs> You know, Ma, I, Ma and Pond <laughs> out in the woods at a cabin. <laughs> I can't say I can top this one. If, if this was good. we do another UFO, it's probably going to be a Mom Pond. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> bring, bring those after this. This one is the most solid where I could say, hmm, that's, that's interesting. So what are you covering next? Episode 41 will be about a missing person. Anything else? Well, we have to say... Follow right. us, right? Yes, because we didn't do it in our last episode. Okay, so follow <laughs> us on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. TikTok, and Twitter at Freshly Brewed Noir. Yes, and if you have any episode ideas, you can email us at freshlybrewednoir at gmail.com. And rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And you have to listen to us to review... So obviously, if you're hearing this now, you're listening. Go ahead and review. <laughs> <laughs> so until next time, stay caffeinated, get hobbies, and don't murder people. Bye. Bye.